I'm Allison Van Hooser, and I'm on a sold-out mission to develop highly successful leaders at all levels. In the 15 years I've been working throughout the food, financial, retail industries, and politics, I have become deeply aware of the powerful effects of leadership. In each episode, you will get strategies and actions you can use immediately in order to change you, your team, and your business. The question is, will you choose to own it? Will you put your stake in the ground and decide to do something with what you've learned today? This is Stake, the Leadership Podcast. All right, everybody, thank you so much for joining me today. The title of today's podcast is Transparency with Your People, a Value or a No-No. I'm really excited about this podcast in particular because I have a guest on here, has not been on here before, and I want to introduce you all to her. She's someone who has added value to my life personally, professionally. I'm going to let her give the details of her background, but let me tell you a little bit about how I met her. Jen is the editor of my book that is coming out, Level Up, Elevate Your Game and Crush Your Goals. Jen has been so incredible to work with. I told her that I was intimidated to start working with her because I'd heard all of these great things about her from her boss, but Jen has been down to earth. She is incredibly smart. I've learned so much from her, and I'm excited to be able to share her wisdom with you all today. Jen emailed me a couple of weeks ago and started a conversation on the topic of being transparent with people at work or at school or in general. And she really got my wheels turning because my gut reaction was to say one thing, but after I slept on it for a little while, I was able to really analyze the situation and come up with a more well-thought-out answer. Jen has some great insights on the topic, too. This episode is going to be really valuable for people who are in the work world or even students. I know we have college students that listen to this podcast. Jen has some wisdom for you that is going to be valuable in the work that you do, no matter what you're doing every day. So without further ado, let me introduce you all to Jennifer Jonacek. Hi, Allison. Thanks so much for having me on your show. I'm really excited to uh, have the opportunity to speak with you and um, talk with your listeners. So, um, yeah, so my a little bit about my background. Um, I have my PhD in English literature um, from the University of Iowa. And so with that, I've taught uh, college level uh, English literature classes and um, rhetoric classes um, and um, then have become uh, the director of content strategy for Sound Wisdom, a publisher of uh, personal development and business improvement books, um, which as Allison mentioned is how I know her. Um, And so, uh, yeah, I like to, um, you know, I I join those skills of my love of English with, with publishing and, you know, I have also done it with with teaching as well. So, yeah. Yeah, you're very low-key about just how cool you are. Um, (laughs) We have several things in common, not just the blonde hair. We're also (laughs) both working moms. So tell me a little bit about, if you want to share for a second, what your work life, home life looks like. Yeah, so um, I have two kids and I I remember when I was reading your book and you were talking about having three kids, I was like, well, your next book needs to be about how you managed all of these things and crushed it with three children. Because when I had two, it was like all over. (laughs) 
Uh, um, So I have two children. I have a four-year-old and I have a 21-month-old. And I had my four-year-old when I was working on my dissertation, which sounds really challenging. But because I was on fellowship, um, I was pretty much just home writing uh, that dissertation. And so, you know, it it was actually probably like (laughs) the easiest time of my life, um, which is funny to say. But um, yeah, when when I went back to teaching, then things got a little bit real. Um, You know, teaching is something that you can't call out sick for, really. Um, And so I had to sort of really figure out how to handle like sick days and other things. So I began thinking about, you know, working motherhood from a new perspective there. Um, But then when I had my second Auden, um, at the time I was adjuncting and I was also working um, for Sound Wisdom. So I was really juggling quite a bit. And um, Auden has had some like health things too. He has some pretty severe food allergies. So, you know, until my mom moved up here this year, childcare um, was a little bit tricky. So I was juggling quite a few things. Um, and we had a lot of sick days because I had a daughter in preschool and, you know, she would bring home, she still does bring home something pretty much every two weeks. And then it just like cycles through the house. Like people like Auden will get it and then I'll get it. And then Mike will get it. And then my mom will get it. And then it just starts back over again. (laughs) Yeah. But I was, um, you know, when I was, when I was in graduate school, I was somebody, you know, I've always worked and been in school. Um, pretty much I've always done like contracting work and, um, have been in school. And I was somebody who was really uncompromising on deadlines and honestly pretty hard on people when they didn't, um, meet deadlines. And when people, you know, I was obviously mostly like, you know, single or newly married with no kids. Um, and when, when people had excuses, I, I just, I felt like that's what, you know, that's what they were like excuses. And, and I, I, um, it affected how I perceive people. And so I think, you know, now that I do face these things where I'm like, gosh, another sick day, like my husband's already taken off a number of days. Like, how can we juggle this? It's really forcing me to, uh, reconsider, you know, I've had to do a lot of really deep soul searching on the issue of, you know, how, how can you strike that balance between, you know, professionalism and accountability with the need to, you know, um, make the workplace accessible for working moms and, you know, families? Right. Absolutely. There's so many things in there that I feel you on. Number one, the fact that, gosh, kids get sick and it goes around. And when you have multiple kids, that's hard on sick time and vacation time. Um, The other thing that you said that I just want to touch on really quickly is you said, you know, my husband takes off so many days and then how many days am I going to take off? And I recently heard a statistic. I don't remember the source, but it was over 75% of families today are two income families. So somebody's eventually it's who's got, who's going to give. And as an employer, as a leader, whenever you're working with your people and they are using up the sick time or they are having, or they are late on certain projects, you don't, you can't only take that person into consideration. You have to take in 
to consideration that person's entire circumstance. Let's actually talk a little bit about the email you sent me, the specific mm-hmm. question that you asked. You said, and correct me if I say anything out of order, but you said, you know, people today, is it better to call into your boss and say something like, my or my kid is sick, I need to reschedule our call that starts in 10 minutes? Or is it better to just say something has come up and I'm not going to be able to make that call in 10 minutes? That's me putting wrapping it into two sentences. But would you agree that that was the original question? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So my gut reaction was absolutely tell the truth, tell them exactly what's going on. But after having more time to think about it, And just as we talked a little bit before this, now that you have, there's a lot to take into consideration on what to say, how to say it, when to say it, who to say it to. And um, I'm going to kind of let you talk a little bit about your thoughts on different generations and what they expect from their boss and what they expect from coworkers and from people reporting up to them. What do they value? Yeah, well, I was really, what got me thinking was when I was editing your book and, you know, you have this really powerful section and level up on, you know, understanding generational differences and and using that knowledge to help adapt, um, you know, how you uh, act and interact with people at work. Um, And I was like, gosh, this this is so apropos because, um, you know, I I just, I thought about it a lot um, as an older millennial I feel like, you know, one of the ways that millennials build credibility and as a rhetoric teacher, I'll say ethos, like we build ethos uh, through transparency. Millennials really value that. Um, and, it, and I think it has moved beyond honesty to full transparency because of um, social media, right? Like we value the influencers who are, you know, raw, give us the real gritty stories and we don't want fake right and so that yeah so that transparency i think has shifted into the workplace and sort of the expectations that millennials and gen zers have um you know for they they, i think they value it so much that they think that you know other people should value it and i'll just give an example from you know from teaching so when i've taught college i've had students email me and, you know, say, oh, I'm sorry, I missed class today. You know, I overslept, you know, you know, or, or whatnot. So I'm like very honest excuse. And, and years ago when I was a college student, I would never, I would never send that email. I would have, you know, does not send an email or, you know, a lot of people back in the day would just say that they were sick and just default to that. But there seems to be a real trend where millennials and Gen Zers think, okay, you know, I was honest, I was transparent about, uh, you know, what, what was really going on. And so that should be, that should be good. Right. Um, and, and originally when I got those emails, I was like, wow, at least least they were real with me. But now I think because I get so many of those or have gotten so many of those, uh, you know, emails, it, 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 it began to feel, um, messy. And so that's sort of like the boundary that I sort of, that I struggle with. And it, there's an extra layer of difficulty in my situation. And you can talk to this, speak to this as well, because I'm not only a working mom, but I'm a work from home mom. Right. 
And that adds another dimension because you already have you know, that guilt where you feel, and this is not at all, my, my boss is so, um, you know, family friendly and laid back and is not a micromanager, but you feel like you have to be like constantly available or if you need to take, you know, time or whatever, it might call into question what you're doing with the rest of your time. Again, it's all internalized. It's not something that I at least experience externally. So that adds another level of, you know, am I coming across messy when I'm, you know, saying I have to take my kid to another doctor's appointment, you know, I'm sorry, or can I, can I push this call back 10 minutes, you know, for this reason? Um, and so, so yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts sort of on the, on that line. So I know in your book, you know, you talk a lot about, you know, you know, not having, you know, excuses necessarily. And I totally agree. Like the example you give of, you know, not using getting kids ready in the mornings an excuse to be late because yes, like you could wake up earlier. I wake up at four 30 in the morning to work out and make sure I get my kids up and out the door on time and, you know, to build in some room for what will go wrong because something usually does. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. So uh, the first thing that I want to kind of touch on is you said, you know, people will email you and say I overslept. The overall thought that I had after really considering, you know, this in its entirety was you, it goes back to, you really have to know the people that you're working with or that you're working for that, that you're around. Do they value um, what your reason is? So, Honestly, and it, it might be different from some other leader, but if I have someone who comes to me and they say, I overslept. Okay, one time I can get that. If they come to me again, I overslept. I don't value someone oversleeping. That's not going to mean anything to me. But if you have a kid who has food allergies or something and they have to go to the doctor several times or a preschooler, I completely can understand because I have three kids that you can't do anything about that. And you may be someone who doesn't have a huge, you or someone else may be someone who doesn't have a huge support system around them. I can understand that too. And so ultimately family for me comes way before work. And so when you have family things that come up and that's the reason that we're not accomplishing A, B, or C, I get that. I want you to be transparent on that. I would want someone to be transparent on that. But if someone is thinking that they're going to win points by saying, I don't, uh, uh, maybe I just didn't feel like it today or I wasn't in the mood or I had another exam. <laughs> yes. I have no, I have no time or patience for that. But again, another supervisor may be totally cool with that, but you won't know that unless you build a relationship with your supervisor or with your teacher and you can't teach or you can't, interact with everybody in the same way. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. I love that idea of, of determining, you know, the, the personal experience. And again, like you mentioned this in your book, and that's so crucial, right? Because you can know all of these factors. Okay, well, you know, some, a baby boomer might be less understanding of, um, you know, childcare things just because there's been some distance there from when they've had young kids. Or maybe they'll still remember you know, um, but, but knowing those sort of generational differences, the sort of, 
no excuse mentality, maybe that some older generations might have um, that that lays a foundation. Um, but you also have to know that personal experience quotient there and understand how that's going to um, you know, affect the dynamic. Absolutely. It makes me think my so I have three kids. I have Willow, who's seven, Duke, Lincoln, who is six and Duke, who is two. When Duke, I worked at a bank whenever Duke was born in the office. I worked with customers and he came six weeks early Mm. and he had to stay in the NICU for uh, about three weeks. And that meant that he had to stay home. He couldn't go to daycare for even longer because he was premature. So I had no option. I I had no other options for him other than to, for me to be with him. And I also had, I didn't have the option to not work. And so because I knew my boss and over the five years that I worked there, I knew that I could be brutally honest with him about everything. They trusted me when I came to them and said, I cannot take my kid to childcare, but I can accomplish my work at home and you can give me extra jobs and I'll do what I have to, to, um, you know, justify you paying me while I'm at home. And it ended up working out. They did it. But I don't think that they would have done that had I not been so open with them over the years about, because I had had two other kids while working with them. Um, If I had not shown, number one, my work ethic, shown that I will put in the work, I will stay longer, I will do whatever it takes to get the job done at a really high level. But also that I'm not going to blow smoke with them. I'm not going to tell them something that's not true or try to get something from them that I cared about the well-being of the business, too. Mm -hmm. And I think when you do that and again, depending on in the constant in the context of knowing who you're working with and what they value. But for me, because I understood them and because I communicated with them in a way that related to them. We were able to have more flexibility in what we were able to accomplish. The bank had never had anybody that worked from home before. So that was uncharted territory, but we were able to go there because we trusted each other because there was that transparency. Mm-hmm. So I think it all goes back to, you know, the, the, you sent me basically this title. I'm telling you all, Jen is incredible, but she basically sent me this title, transparency, a business value or a business no-no. And it, the I hate answers. I hate I hate um, answers that are not clear cut. But it really just depends. Yeah. If you're, uh, it depends on who you're working with. Um, Can I jump in real quick, please? So um, yeah, since I sent that initial email, um, I returned to a book that I really love about working motherhood. It's called The Fifth Trimester. Have you Have you read it? I have not, but it sounds very interesting. Yeah, it's by Lauren Smith Brody, and it's like um, just really a guidebook to um, working motherhood in the modern world. Um, and I, I read it when I, right after I um, had Auden. And she has a really interesting concept that I had forgotten about called strategic transparency. Um, and her, her idea is to, you know, use transparency, um, you know, not to disclose like everything, right? Because if you just give, if you give too many personal details, then it becomes, then it becomes messy. Like no matter how close your personal relationships are, there's a line, you know, that I think that you can't really cross for professionalism, but um, to be able to use transparency as a way to make working motherhood more accessible, because, um, you know, if we keep 
con- these conversations taboo if we are scared to talk about needing to take our kids to the doctors, you know, when we have these times that our kids need us or we have to pump or we have to, we have to do something. If we keep those things taboo, then we're continuing to make working motherhood inaccessible to people. Um, And so she talks about managing in different directions. She talks about managing up. So actively managing the new relationship that you have to construct every time you have a kid with your manager. So managing up is like managing your, those relationships with your superiors and, you know, not only like just confidently and assertively like discussing what your needs are and being open about it, but also being open to receiving feedback. Um, And the same goes for managing sideways, managing with colleagues um, and managing, you know, down managing with anybody that works under you, but especially like managing down, like having open conversations about, okay, well, I have to go, you know, pump now. I'm going to be working while I pump, right? Because you can do that. But um, you know, just, just having those conversations so that, um, we are being honest, um, and that we're showing that you can juggle both like working moms have, you know, can integrate work and life uh, really well, but we can't, if we're keeping, if we're, we're playing the same game as like historically, you know, a male dominated profession or, or industry or whatever has played. Like we have to, we have to make new rules. Um, but respectfully, like we have to have conversations about that. Uh, right. I totally agree. It makes me think about this study that I heard. Um, it was, it was done, it was done outside of the country, but it was about the the effects of stress on productivity at work, productivity and performance at work. Do you think that when you're not able to be, honest about what you're dealing with when you're trying to, you know, hold that back or hide that for fear of, you name it, from your boss or your coworkers, that that adds to the stress level at work? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why, like, so I think that's why a number of women, like, end up, you know, leaving the workforce, even if that's not something that they want to do, because they just feel like they're failing. You know, they just feel like, they're not succeeding when, you know, if they, I mean, not all managers are going to be receptive to this, but, you know, if you're having those conversations, you might be like pleasantly surprised. I mean, I'll just give an example. Like when I started working for Sound Wisdom, I was really super conscious of the fact that, you know, I was working part-time at the time. I had part-time childcare, so I wasn't always available and I wasn't sure. I was like, do I say like, I can't make this call because I just don't have childcare or I can do like, you know, I would be like, I can talk with you, Dave, but I'm going to have noise in the background because this isn't the time that I have childcare. And he was like, you know, when I finally had that, I mean, I, I was, I would stress out about it so much, but when I just flat out said that, like, yes, I can do this, but there will be some noise in the background. And that, again, that was an arrangement that we had because I, it wasn't like, I had taken the job with the agreement that I would have to have outside childcare, which a lot of, you know, telecommute positions have that requirement. So every position is unique and I want to qualify that. Um, But when I would say that he was like, well, Jen, I don't, I don't mind, you know? Um, And, you know, there's been a time where I've had an author call and I was like, 
you know, I can do this, but my kids are sick. So they might, you know, wake up or be in the background and, you know, he's very supportive. He's like, oh, well, you know, that author will understand they have, you know, they have kids and they work from home. So, you know, be, it does just remove a whole lot of stress when you can be honest because it feels icky to be like, yes. you know, I'm, I can't make this and then not give a reason, right? I mean, what has your experience been there? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think for me, and part of this just goes back to my personality, but if I feel like I can't be honest with somebody, that creates all these barriers and I feel like I'm walking around on eggshells and that is extremely stressful to me. And I can can tell that my performance will go down when I feel Mm -hmm. like I can't be honest. And now I realize that there's, you have to be honest within reason. We've already talked about that, but I do agree too, that when you are open with people and you can be real with them and you all are on the same page, it makes the working relationship so much better, so much easier for both of you. And I think, especially in today's world, when employees have so many options, so many different things they can do to fulfill their passion, to make money, then you need to be the leader who listens. You need to be the leader who can have empathy with your people, whether you have kids or don't have kids, whether it's been a while, whether you agree with the fact that they they should or shouldn't be taking care of their aunt. I don't know, whatever it could be. We have to be sensitive to people and their needs and the things that they have going on. We have to be flexible. We talked a little bit, or we, we, we've continued to talk about you and I both being working moms, but the number of working dads is increasing too. And Mm -hmm. that's going to be an adjustment for leaders to start seeing dads in that role where they're taking care of kids more, where they're taking off more sick days, or they want to work from home so they can have their kids there too. So there's just a lot that I think leadership today is more difficult than it ever has been because people want so many different things and they have so many options. The options are endless And the options continue to grow. And I think that if you if you don't become the leader who is willing to get to know your people and understand your people and empathize with your people and figure out a way, maybe it's uncharted territory like we talked about before, figure out a way to make things work for both of you. If you don't choose to adapt in that way, then you might you probably will just get left behind because your people will go find leaders who will do that for them. I would, I'll just throw this out there, but if Dave was not cool, which I know Dave, you know, Dave better than I do, but Dave is a totally cool guy. If Dave listens to this. Yeah. If Dave listens to this, I'm not, I'm not throwing you under the bus. I'm playing a hypothetical. (laughs) If Dave, if Dave was like, not cool at all, Jen, I don't want your kids on here. No more flexibility. You would probably be like, all right, I'm out. I got to go find something else. You know, I would. And I think, I mean, I've read so many studies about um, millennials, especially in Gen Zers, who they are willing to, you know, make less money and, um, you know, give up other benefits for increased flexibility, Um, you know, both in terms of like hybrid work arrangements, work from home arrangements, but also in terms of, you know, just the culture and how that family integration, um, work-life integration is handled because absolutely, um, that was a prime value for me. Um, and 
it, it has influenced a number of my career decisions um, because that flexibility with young kids is just invaluable. And what they get, you know, at least, and I'm, and I'm, I'm sure Dave would speak to this is, you know, full commitment and loyalty, like, because Dave shows me that respect and trust. I give him 200%, you know, and I, um, I'm excited to wake up and, and go to work when I go downstairs to work. Um, I'm excited to, you know, just give add value to the company and my work is a million times better because, you know, I'm not stressed and I'm not like worried about the times where I have to ask for some leeway. And so I think, yeah, that's how you get trust in both ways. And another, another point that you um, brought up is sort of just like how, how to handle it. And I, you definitely have to, um, you know, cater it differently to different people. But one of the things that I always think about, you know, is, is how does this work for working dads versus like working moms? And again, I think a lot of it is internalized. Like we internalize that people maybe already have negative perceptions about the hot mess mom. Right. And so any sort of request is coming across as messy, but I think we can add to that messiness by how we handle um, our request for some leeway. So like, I think in the beginning, you know, I would be probably overly apologetic about, you know, needing something, uh, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I think you should, you know, apologize because if you're changing somebody's schedule or taking their time or doing something like you want to be respectful of that. But, uh, you know, a lot of times like men just say like, my husband will just say like, my kid is sick. Like I have to do this or something. And, you know, whether or not there is a double standard there for how, you know, men are, whether they're lauded for sort of putting the family first or not, you know, I think there is something to say about just assertively and being like, I'm so sorry, but this is what I'm going to do and not like belaboring it, not like, you know, saying, um, failing at life again. (laughs) Yes, yes. Because that approach can really affect it. I totally agree with you on that. I think that's such a great point. I I don't know why it is we as women do that. Why we can, I think for sometimes I've probably been guilty of it because I try to come at it from sort of a self-deprecating humor standpoint, thinking, you know, I can add some light to the situation, but that may not resonate with everybody. Is there a double standard? I think there, there is, um, it may not be in every situation, but I think everyone would agree that for the most part, there's still a double standard. But we have, over the past several decades, made leaps and bounds when it comes to women at work. Um, but as far as your tact and being able to explain yourself and not discount yourself, I think you're right on. So we've talked several times and you've heard us say work-life integration. I know I've heard Jen said it and I've said it before. So Jen, can you talk a little bit about work-life integration and what that means in today's workforce. Yeah, well, um, so I think, you know, that that hot topic of work-life balance versus work-life integration, well, a lot of people, you know, in today's world will say work-life balance is elusive, you know, it's outdated, there's no such thing. And I would wholeheartedly agree with that because I think, especially as a working mom, like there's just, it's never equal, 
right? Like I'm always giving some compartments of my life more attention than others. And I forget who it was, but um, there was some author that was saying that you can only give like, I think there are like four buckets of your life and you can only give three your full attention at one time. So one bucket is always going to drop or get less, you know, attention than others. And I just think that's so true. Like, um, and, and for me, work-life integration, it, it can be a tough subject because especially working from home, you sort of feel like you have to be on all the time. And so many people will tell you, you have to unplug. And I think that's true, but I've noticed that the times when I was really stressed about whether I'm managing that integration well, um, really created more of the issue than actually just having that synergy there and just going with what works, like trying to find some sort of um, intermixture, not balance, but just that intermixture that worked was really more stressful than just juggling. (laughs) And that makes sense. So I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? I think that makes total sense. And some of so much of what you said resonated with me younger. We've talked about work-life balance and for people who maybe are getting lost in the words work-life balance and work-life integration, here's how I would explain it. So work-life balance is, let's just say back in the day when people got off work, they wanted to be off work and they wanted to have enough time to be able to spend with their family or on the things that they wanted to do. Now what we're seeing with with the younger generations in the workforce really paving the way for the future of work is that people want to be able to do both. They're fine with answering emails at 10 o'clock at night if that means that at 10 o'clock in the morning they can go watch their kids' school program and they don't have to take off vacation or sick time or whatever. They want to be able to manage both when they when whenever it works for them. I'll just I'll wrap this up, Jen. Thank you so much for your time today. For those listening to this podcast, this is Stake the Leadership Podcast, where we say the things that we've talked about today what you've learned, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to put your stake in the ground and be better going forward than you were before today? We've talked about being transparent in business. Is it a value or a no-no? And we say it depends on your audience. But as leaders, it's so important that you get to know your people. So can you put your stake in the ground and spend more time with your people this week, getting to know them, getting to know what they're struggling with at work, getting to know Uh, what they might be holding back from you at work, getting to know how you can adapt to help them be less stressed and more productive. Thank you all for listening and I'll see you all soon. Thank you so much for tuning in today. For the links to everything mentioned in this episode, check out the show notes. And if you'd like more practical, tactical leadership development content, go to www.vanhooser.com for my weekly blog and all the links to my social media channels. If it makes sense to start improving the leadership skills of your managers and supervisors, let's talk about training options for your team. Email me at allison at vanhooser.com.